0: Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But, you know, it's more important to give the Lord a hand clap of praise because that's what we're here for. <laughs> amen? Yes. Amen, amen. <clears throat> so, you know, I do a lot of the decorating. Well, actually, I <clears throat> come up with an idea, and then Donna is my finisher. She's, she's kind of taken role for me there. So what you see on the left today is my wedding dress from when I married pastor in 1988. This is not his suit. He wore a white tux and tails, but I still, I didn't keep it. We returned it like we were supposed to. But Peyton just so happened to have something that was so close. And I was like, of course my kids would. They're my children. And so um, my, my dress is hand sewn. My mom made it. My dad cut out my heart on the bottom. They, it's all hand done. Everything is hand done on it. And so um, I wanted to share that with you because today the title of my sermon is My Love Story. And um, love, true love, wow. (laughs) But the most most important thing, my scripture today, which is unusual because I usually talk a whole lot, but my scripture today is John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Amen. Amen. But I'm preparing for today. I know everybody's like, up, down, up, down. What do I do? It's all good. Upon preparing for today, I kept trying to go another route with my love story, and I'm telling you, um, I'm thankful for computers, because if not, my paper would have been like, write, write, scribble, scribble, write, write, scribble, scribble, move this. I would have had arrows going everywhere, and it would have been a crazy thing, because I typed it out, and then last night I went back through, I was like, no, just erase, type, type, erase, thank the Lord for backspace and all those great things, because I'm just telling you, it would have been a long process for me, but he kept going back to a route that I was not expecting, it was kind of an unusual route because I really wanted to tell you how much I love. I love deeply. I love quick. And it all started in fifth when I was five years old. Yeah, you're all like, huh? I played catch them, kiss them on the playground. That was my favorite game at lunch every day. I was like, out to lunch. Got to go. See who I can chase down and kiss. Yes, this is, this is who I was. Yes. And um, there was only one little boy I could not catch. And it really frustrated me. I never could catch him. And he was this little tiny guy and fast as lightning. And so I never did catch him. So obviously it was not true love. And then, and let's see, about fifth, sixth grade, I definitely found my true love. And then he invited me to his church and I was like, well, that's a no, because I did not enjoy that church service. So that wasn't obviously true love. And then I rolled around and, you know, 10th grade, I definitely knew what love was. Well, he went to college and I stayed at home and Well, that didn't end too well. And then I rolled on to 17, obviously, almost a grown adult. So I definitely knew what love was. I was definitely prepared for the next phase of my life. And at 17, I met the man driving the silver Porsche. Pastor talked about it a week or two ago. Yes, he really, truly did. He drove a silver Porsche. And um, he was a preacher. I mean, like, right? Sounds like a good thing. So I was dating him. And um along about that summer, he was quite a bit older than I was, and along that summer, our church camp time, my father was the district youth director. Most of you have heard this story on over. Just bear with me, just bear with me, I'm going somewhere. Enrolled our guest speaker literally on their big old huge golden eagle. So it's silver or gold. I picked the better choice, obviously. (laughs) Silver Porsche, Gold Eagle. I don't know. Gold Eagle had a whole lot of people in there. But they rolled on that property. And when they rolled on that property, here come the boys. Well, you know, obviously I like boys. Obviously. And so out come Drew and his cousin Greg and Ned, their friend, and Wyatt, the brother, and then as Darren was just right down the road, they were traveling and singing too, and they were over there. And actually, I deleted all this, and now I'm talking about it again, so who knows? I don't know what. So here I am, 17, got my life figured out, and then on the property rolls this whole new crew of guys, and I'm like, well, hey. So no, needless to say, most of you know, <clears throat> by the end of that camp, we went to the camp banquet together. And at the end of the camp banquet, Drew showed you a picture last week. Was it last week or has it been two weeks? I don't know. I think, who knows? And he showed the picture of our first date. And I'm just going to tell you now, most of our dates still end that way with the whole church or the whole family. That's how we date to this day. We don't go anywhere hardly ever alone. And part of that, when I think about that, I think, wow. I really loved him then. I actually had to tell the other guy by the end of the week. He pulled me under the tabernacle. All the windows were up. And he said, you have to tell me, do you love me? This other guy did. And I just looked him in the face and I was like, and started crying. And I told him, I said, can't tell you that. Because I knew at that moment my heart had shifted. It was a new love. And I was like, I don't know about this one. This one seems kind of different. And you know what he made me? Spaghetti. This new guy, he made me some spaghetti with some chicken and parmesan. Yeah, he knows how to do it. Mozzarella cheese, i would never had it. We still eat it to this day. So he he grabbed me with food. (laughs) That's what he grabbed me with. And we still eat all the time. Yeah, I was looking at that dress. I was like, yeah, I ain't that size no more. And so... We rolled around, and of August, he told me he loved me of that year. October, I begged him repeatedly to marry me. He denied me repeatedly. In December, he finally asked me to marry him. Finally. I was like, good grief, it's been three months. What was six months? July, August, September, October. Five months. I'll get it right. Five months. It had been five months. He should know by now, right? You either love me or you don't, and I'm moving on. That's just how I am. You love me, we're taking care of this. So he asked me to marry him in December and August of the following year. On a Tuesday night, we got married because that's the first day we had available in our schedules. For real. That's where the true love story with my husband began. When we stood on that stage in August of 1988, August 16th, we made a covenant with each other. Covenant is a relationship between two partners who make a binding promise to each other and work together to reach a common goal. They're often accompanied by oaths, signs, and ceremonies. Covenants define obligations and commitments, but they are different from a contract because they are relational and personal. Some of the words that I said in our ceremony, and I've talked about this before too, is we said serious things back then. Now you can write your own stuff, and it means absolutely nothing, in my opinion, because there's nothing really binding in that. Now, this is my opinion, don't don't throw rocks. But we said, for better or worse, for richer or poorer, until death do us part. That was a covenant. It was a covenant between us, and I'm sure he's probably wanted to suffocate me a couple of times, so death probably came closer than I thought. We've talked about our love story over and over and over. He was so handsome, and I just wanted to be with him. I just wanted to be with him. I just, every time the other guy would be there, I'd be like, I wonder where Drew's at. I'm trying not to say the other guy's name. He chased me all week. And you know what his famous joke was to me? And I remember this one. I can tell you exactly where we were at. We had a concession stand star. And, of course, my dad was the boss, so I got what I wanted, right? So I'm in there making a suicide. You know what that is? You take all the fountain drinks, and you click, 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 and then you go back down and click, click, click. Don't ask me why. That was such a big deal, but we loved them. Could y'all make me one at McDonald's today when I come in? (laughs) Curtis is like, yeah, I can make a suicide for you, (laughs) Shelly. That's what I was doing, and his cousin and him were in there, and he says to me, when's your birthday? And I said, April 20th, and he goes, oh, mine's the 13th, and I'm like, really, April 13th? That is so cool, and he says, well, October 13th, oh, he was so smooth, and I was so smitten, the next week, we drove to them to see them in Missouri. <clears throat> it was a great week, except for the pastor said, hey, Dana, how are you doing? I was like, oh, my name's not Dana, but it's nice to meet you, pastor. That was his girlfriend's name at the time, and that's a whole nother story. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, you're in trouble now. Michelle's like, what? <laughs> that pastor's passed away. I loved him. He really was a funny man. Then this year will be 35 years. We've been together a lot of crazy stuff, and most of the crazy is me. Matter of fact, after the last um, thing we had at Christmas, Brother Ed goes, "Oh, I've seen a side of you I didn't know." I said, "That's really who I am. I'm a crazy person. That's me." Drew just puts up with oh, all my crazy. <clears throat> We'd made that covenant. We'd made a bond, and it's lasted a long time. We have three babies living, two in heaven. We've had multiple animal deaths, the reason that we do not now have any animals. Had a scary bout with our child with cancer. We had a late baby in life, which is cardin. We have a daughter-in-law. We have a grandbaby. Then we had to learn how to be separated. We're learning. We'll just put that real gentle because we're learning how to be separated from our son and his family. Our ministries included evangelists, student pastors for 10 years, associate pastors, and in March, 31st will be here for four years as senior pastors we've watched students come and go we've watched as kids have grown up and moved away we've seen life and we've seen death we've seen growth and we've seen decrease and I say all of this to let you know how deeply passionate that I am about that man this is not a sermon about him I really promise it's not he's my husband he's my spouse. He's my date, he's my best friend, he's my boss, he's my pastor, and he holds many names as grandpa right now because we don't know what we're going to call him. But sometimes we use love so casually. We love our car, and I love my car. You guys know how attached I was to my last car. This one new one is giving me a run for my money. Sometimes we might love our boat. Sometimes we say we love our shoes Shrimp, tacos, ice cream. We love our spouse. We just, we love. We just love, don't we? We find stuff and we're just like, oh my goodness, I love that piece of jewelry. Is that not the cutest piece of jewelry? Right, Drew? It's just the cutest piece of jewelry. I just love that. Just love. We use love all the time. All the time. But I have another love story. About 47 years ago, man, that makes me sound old when I say it out loud. I gave my heart to Jesus. That's my true love story. I was about five years old in a small building on the lot in Duncan Y, Highway 81. I made a decision that I will never forget. Most of you already know that story as well. That's why I was so confused on why I had to tell these stories today. It was a little bitty church, and I went down. I was reading books because I had to win the contest. I know y'all do not believe I want to win everything. I had to win the contest at school and kindergarten, but I had to go pray. So I set my book down, and I went and prayed, and then I was like, I'm not done praying. So I got back up, and I gave my heart to Jesus that day. And I began to follow him. Now, I, <clears throat> I know you think, well, you were five years old. Yeah, I was five. So I would use that, <clears throat> what I understood at five years old, to love the Lord. But there has been a few times I've been a little bit rotten, sometimes disobedient, and we'll just use the word rebellious with all caps. Sometimes I may be rude or make a mistake. In fifth and sixth grade, yeah, I cussed like a sailor. All my friends were boys, shocking. And I could cuss with the best of them. Kind of weird, isn't it? But my love story continued on. And I knew enough at five years old to know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3, 23. I understood that if I did not serve the Lord, that there would be consequences. Consequences that we don't talk a lot about anymore. We don't talk a lot about the consequences of not serving the Lord Now, when I grew up, it was hellfire and brimstone, I'm just going to tell you, and I'm just going to look at you and say, I could tell right now, some of you are like, huh? We talked about hell at every single service, it's what I felt like. They spoke it very clearly, they talked about it, they talked to us and told us what hell was like, until I was so scared, I definitely wanted to be a Christian, because I did not want to go to hell, because one, I don't like being hot. I don't like to have heat. I don't like to sweat. I can't stand the thought of people touching me and gnashing and all of that. I just cannot imagine it. And here's a funny side note. Ferris the other day wanted a drink. This is how it grosses me out so bad. And I went to give her a drink, and I had my hand up by the straw, and she connected to my, oh, gag, it was so gross. She sucked my finger before I even realized, and I was like, uh, and she was laughing so hard cuz it was just an accident but here I am trying and it grossed me out. I don't I'm just not like that. This is gross. And I don't want people to do that. I don't want to be scared. I don't like to be scared. When Drew's gone a couple of years ago, they were all gone at one time and it was me by myself at the house. I literally would go in at night, I locked the front door, took my lights, went to my bedroom, locked the door and didn't come out till the morning. Cuz I don't want to I don't like to, I don't like to be scared. I don't like to wonder. Hell is real. Hell is not a joke. You will spend eternity. There is no purgatory. Someone told me the other night in church when they get to purgatory, and I was like, excuse me? There is no purgatory for you, sister. Everyone will exist eternally, either in heaven or hell. Revelations 20 and 14 says, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. It's the second death. Revelations 20 and 15 says, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And you're like, Shelly, this is the craziest love story. But this is the reality of your love. Everyone has only one life, one life in which to determine their destiny. Hebrews 9.27 says, And it is appointed unto men once to die, but after that there's judgment. Judgment. Heaven or hell is determined by whether a person believes in Christ alone to save them. John three sixteen. I already read it to you. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Hell was designed originally for Satan and his demons. In the book of Matthew 25, verse 41. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. In Revelations 20 and 10 it says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Hell will also punish the sin of those who reject Christ. Revelations 20 and 15. I said it earlier. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into a lake of fire. Romans 6 and 23 says, For the wages of sin is a death. But, there's our conjunction word, The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So there is a light There is a light. Thankfully, the love of Jesus at age five through our pastor, brother Stuart, spoke so profound to me that I was able to give my life to the Lord. And I honestly do wish I could have said that day I live for him and I never turned back. Because I've made a lot of mistakes. A lot of mistakes. I still make mistakes. I still make mistakes. I still have to go back. I still have to ask for forgiveness. Sometimes I lay in bed, I'm like, God, I'm pretty sure I did something wrong. So would you forgive me of it? Whatever it may have been, bring it back to my memory and let me fix it. Love, the covenant, the vow that you made with your heavenly father to serve, to give, to walk with your Lord. To walk away from every appearance of evil. To live a life holy and acceptable to the Lord. He was thinking of us, sinners. Christ died for us, gave his only begotten son. Romans 5 and 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us, knowing that we were going to have a hard time walking some things out. He went ahead and died, he gave his only son. I have three boys. Some days I could pick one of them to give away. Some days I don't want to. What an ultimate sacrifice he did just for you and for me. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You have to speak it. He called me. I accepted. My life was forever changed. My covenant and my bond from that little bitty age. That's why it's never too early, never too young. And it's never too old either. Never. Romans 10 and 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I've done my best, I've done my best to walk out my Christian walk, even though I've failed. But we have to pick ourselves up, ask for forgiveness, and keep walking it out. Romans 10 and 17, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Hearing by the word of God. I heard some things last night. We went to see Karen Wheaton. I'll just be honest, we were an hour late because we had a crazy, I had a really crazy day yesterday. And we literally were sitting in the office and Drew thought it started at 6.30. And I was like, I think it started at 6 and it's almost 7. So we're like, we're just going anyway. And last night, um, she made a couple of statements that were very profound to me. Because back, and I, I write sticky notes everywhere. If you come in my office, you'll see sticky notes all over it. Someone said, you have a lot of work to do. And I'm like, mm, no, that's just God speaking to me. And on one of my sticky notes, because I knew God had said it, and it reminded me last night, and I went back and looked, and in June of 2021, God spoke very clear to me to stay focused. Last night when we went to church alive, the speaker said this, and I forgot I was going to bring mine up here. She said, stop staring into the darkness, and she held up her phone. I'll let that one sink in. Stop staring at darkness. What's on the darkness? What's in the darkness? What are you covering? What are you hiding? What are you looking at? What are you doing? We can all have our Bible app on there, but do we Bible app or do we... And most of you probably get a screen time, how much screen time you have. Mine is all messages. It's 11 hours a week on messages. And probably know why, because I'm constantly messaging somebody. But it's so true, because you can hide behind that little phone. You can hide behind yourself in Facebook. You can put out there, I'm a Christian, I do this, I love my husband, and you're fighting like cats and dogs at home, and you haven't been to church in eight months. I mean, it's the truth. We can do this. This is how, this is a double lives that we can live. We can talk it, but we don't walk it. We can talk it. We can say it because it's just behind that little phone. It's just behind that little piece there. And we don't really have to show because everybody thinks it's all good. Everybody thinks that the kids are all living right. Everybody thinks that our, our family is all in perfect order and yet you're falling apart. And the next thing you know, there's a divorce and you're like, huh? What happened to all the photos? You're like, something's not right here. Something, some, you just said last week that your husband was the best thing God ever gave you, and today they're all cut out. In the old days, it would look like that. It's the truth. Those wedding pictures, and you got them all, because well, now it's a new picture. It's the truth. We hide. We hide. We want to portray something and live like we want to live. We're not walking the Roman's road. We're not walking out what God has called us to do. We're living our own lives and we're hiding. We have to stay focused and stay on what God has asked us to do, what God has called us to do, what God is wanting us to move into. We have to stay focused on that. How can we be hearing if we're stuck inside our phone? It is a distraction. TV is a distraction, computers are a distraction. They will consume your time, just like that. You can get on one, because I'm guilty. Drew started watching reels on Facebook. I'm mad at him, because I watch all the ones that cook and show how to make stuff. And seriously, for you know it, you've spent 20 minutes, and you've not, not done a single thing. It's the truth. Distractions, being distracted. We can talk about the story of Mary and Martha. Speaking of distractions... Now, I have an amazing sister, and most of you have met my sister, and my sister is the busiest little bee in the whole wide world. And every holiday that we have at her house, she has a small house, and she has all, um, what is that, tile floors. And it bugs her to have dirt on her floors. She has 10 grandkids. Should I say anything else? They live out in the farm on the, yeah. And so all these people are in and out, in and out, in and out. And so the whole time we're there, she's got a broom. And I'm like, come on, come on. So one day I looked at her and I said, hey, Martha, can you sit down and join us and have some family time? Because you're driving me insane. And she turned and looked at me and I said, yeah, Martha, could you sit down and join us? Because that's what she does. She's so busy trying to get everything together. And that reminds me of us today. We're so busy. We're distracted. We're not following God's plan. We're doing our own thing. And all we're wanting to do. And so there Martha is crying out to Jesus. Jesus, do you not see Martha? Hello? I'm here trying to get all this stuff done for you. And she's so distracted. And I'm like, Marseille, sit down. Just sit down. Be still. In Luke 10, 38 through 42, it talks about it. It came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. She was so excited, I bet. And she had a sister called Mary. You can just call us Marseille and Shelley. It's about the same. Which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. And Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. Now she's telling him. Go tell her to get in here and help me. She's kind of a little sassy. It may be the other way around. (laughs) I'm the sassy one. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, you are careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. One thing. He didn't say a bunch of things. Just one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. How do you think Martha felt? How do you think Martha felt? Put yourself in Martha's position. How do you think Martha felt? Mary chose to just sit. And I opened with that song today on purpose. Felt like God told me to do it anyway. But sometimes we get so caught up in our schedule and our busyness and our go and our do and our got to get, got to get, got to get. And I am, I told Donna this week, I said, just read my mind. There's 120 things for you to do. She laughed. Sometimes we just need to sit down and be still and work on our relationship with the Lord. Sit down at the feet of Jesus. Jesus, Mary was so in love with Jesus, she just wanted to sit at his feet and just be with him and worship him. And that's what we're supposed to be doing, living for him. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, worshiping him, and continuing our love story. I tell Kaya all the time relationship 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 if you don't talk to your father you will not have a relationship with him i promise you if i don't talk to drew for several days he's probably not going to stick around very long he's probably going to say well you didn't need me for two weeks and so i really didn't need to talk to you it's a relationship i can't go a day without talking to my mom and my dad my dad's not as nice he doesn't answer as often but I like talking to them. Now that Taylor and Tiffany's gone, 10 30 last night, I get a phone call. Hey, I just wanted to talk. (laughs) Like, okay. It's a relationship that I have with them. But if my relationship with my heavenly father is so minute and so trivial, and I'm so busy that I haven't taken time to develop my relationship with the Lord, like I have developed for 35 years with my own spouse, My time is in vain. What I've done is in vain. If I've decorated everything up and didn't spend time with the Lord, it's all in vain. It's all in vain. Relationship, relationship. Walk the Romans road. It's been a busy week. It's been a great week. And I found myself so refreshed in the Lord this week. So refreshed. A lot of times I can't say that. Sometimes I'm like, I'm so exhausted and I'm so tired. But every day God has brought something else to me. And one day he asked me twice to go and talk with someone and talk to them about their relationship with the Lord. And it was so amazing to see the open response. Because one, I was listening to the voice of the Lord. I had slowed down. Shelly slowed down. And I was walking my relationship with him. I don't ever want to take my relationship with the Lord lightly. Our relationship with the Lord should be our priority. Because when our relationship with the Lord is intact and we have him at the first, God will line up all the rest of our stuff. Everything else will fall into place. Show the love of Jesus. Reach out and pray. Be bold. Be bold. Be bold. I looked at someone yesterday and I said, How can I pray with you? How can I pray with you? That's part of the Romans Road, taking them down that Romans Road. Do you know the Lord as your Savior? Are you walking with the Lord? Do you have a personal relationship with Christ? We have to be bold. Our time is short. Hell is real. Hell is real. We all have lost loved ones. And we have the task to go out and bring them in. My love story in the flesh. I adore and I cherish my spouse. But my love story with my Savior does not compare. My covenant with my Savior does not compare to my personal love story. Peyton, would you play some music? Would you bow your heads this morning? I don't always understand why God asked me to do the things that he asked me to do. And this is not the where I felt like my love story would go today. But if you're in this building, and maybe you've not taken the time to work on your relationship with the Lord. But if you're in this building, and you made a covenant, and you've walked away from that covenant... Or, if you're in this building and you've never asked the Lord to be your Savior, this is your day. And I'm just going to tell you, God is pulling on me so strong. You may not have many more days. You may not have many more days. We cannot become lack in our walk with the Lord. If there is anything that's keeping you from meeting your Savior and living in heaven today, make it right. This is the day. This is the hour. This is the day and this is the hour. And if that is you today and you've heard this and you're like, I'm not living like I need to live. And i just be honest, probably everybody is probably in that boat at some point. I'd ask you to stand to your feet and make your way to the altar. We have people that will pray with you. We have people that will encourage you. We have people that will help you walk out your walk with the Lord.